and realizes that this is Mr. David Atkins from the Missouri United Methodist Foundation. When we talked about looking for uh, another provider for our endowment fund, there was two reasons. One was administration, the other one was responsiveness. David joining us this morning, I think, proves that responsiveness. He made the trip up from Columbia, Missouri to be with us. So we certainly appreciate uh, your efforts. And well, it, it worked out well. I, I have a son who lives in Chicago, and so I, I stayed there last night and uh, dashed over this morning. Did get tripped up by the by the timeline. Uh, I was I was I was right on time until I realized uh, I was on Central time. But um, um, well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll try to kind of keep this uh, uh, as conversational as we can, and um, uh, kind of cover a few highlights, kind of uh, bring up a few topics, and then we'll kind of let the the conversation uh, run where it may. Uh, I am a, a representative and a, a longtime uh, uh, employee of the Missouri United Methodist Foundation. And uh, uh, immediately after the earlier gathering, a couple of Missouri folks came forward. Uh, certainly, uh, Eugene and, and Letty Morris uh, 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 are, are longtime Missourians and longtime uh, uh, friends and colleagues in, in ministry in, in Missouri. Uh, uh, Sarge came up, and uh, uh, he's shifted from uh, 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 camping in a fixed place to camping on the road. So uh, uh, good to see him as well. Uh, uh, some other Missourians that are in the mix here: uh, Bill, Bill Cook. I'm I'm sorry, Bill uh, apparently couldn't couldn't make this today. But um, and then also uh, Max Marble has I think recently joined the ranks of of nomads. Uh, Max is is well known throughout Missouri, and and uh, uh, I think he's already posting videos of some of his his, his projects. Um, we'll we'll use a few terms uh, in this uh, little little conversation that you hear people kind of throw terms like foundation and endowment and uh, uh, some of the some of the other uh, uh, terms like trusts. Uh, they almost use some of those terms interchangeably. And they, they do all have kind of specific uh, narrow definitions, but we'll try to kind of sort that out and, and, and make the landscape a little, a little clearer. Uh, a foundation like the Missouri United Methodist Foundation is really very much like a community foundation. Are you familiar with community foundations at all any, at, in, in the places where you live? Community foundations exist in some towns and cities, and uh, it's simply a place where charitable funds sort of are gathered together and administered uh, together, typically in the case of a community foundation, for the charitable organizations in that community, in that geographic community. The Missouri United Methodist Foundation is set up by the Methodist Church to essentially do that same function for Methodist uh, charities. Now historically our geographic area was the state of Missouri Increasingly, and especially uh, with uh, some of the denominational conversations going on, uh, that we're, we're, we really are a service provider for uh, a broader swath of churches and uh, religious organizations, and certainly United Methodist organizations like, like Nomads. Um, our foundation got started in 1967. Uh, that was the year that the St. Louis Arch opened to the public. Uh, it was... Uh, one of the years that the St. Louis Cardinals won the uh, World Series, but uh, but I digress. Uh, I, not sure if that is a possibility this year, but I guess it's still technically a possibility. <laughs> but um, uh, but um, uh, and and it really started from scratch. Just uh, some really visionary, dedicated folks uh, uh, thinking to themselves. Gosh, that would really be a great tool for the church. And um, uh, our founder, Clint Hawkins, uh, whose nickname uh, back then was Mr. Methodist, uh, he was also very active with the YMCA. And the YMCA has a foundation. And, uh, he, you know, he thought, well, gosh, great tool for the church. And likewise, with an organization like Nomads creating an endowment at the foundation, it's really kind of the same idea. It's, it's, it's this idea that, well, gosh, our organization would really benefit from those kinds of gifts 
and that kind of option for the people who want to support our mission. And so uh, the Nomads Board uh, uh, has set up a, a fund at the foundation that is this is is in this more kind of long-term mindset uh, in terms of supporting the work of nomads. Uh, the Every Member campaign, the uh, the Love Auction, those are tremendous uh, supports and uh, uh, to the work of nomads. But in general, those gifts are coming are, are what we call checkbook gifts. They're they're folks writing a check. Uh, out of typically current income uh, uh, for those donations. Plan giving, and I was, I was mentioning this to, to Jackie before we got started, annual campaigns and, and, for instance, a church, let's say a church decides to build a building and so they have a capital campaign. Those campaigns are really saying to the givers, you know, we want you to think about what you can do in the next three years. Okay? With plan giving, it's really on the donor's timetable. All that Nomads is saying is when you're ready to think about this kind of a gift, Nomads has a, has a, a structure set up and a place to receive that gift. Uh, uh, it's, it's really kind of flipping that campaign idea on its head and it's, you know, it's, it's not, you're, you're not gonna necessarily be thinking about uh, uh, giving uh, one of these gifts every day, every year, but when you're ready to think about this kind of a gift, this is, this is the place to do it. So, um, the, a, a little bit more about the foundation. Starting in 67, fast forward uh, over 50 years, and the foundation started from scratch. We currently administer a little over 26 million in assets, and about 60, 65% of those assets belong to individual organizations and churches. Local churches, organizations like Nomads placing funds at the foundation for this sort of uh, administration. The foundation investment program is a, is a, a very diversified, well-structured pro program for administering long-term funds. Uh, the way we invest funds is the same way most major charitable organizations invest funds. Uh, it is intentionally uh, uh, very boring. Uh, it's 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 not something you're investing for the long term. Uh, uh, it is not a something we sit around and 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 you know look at the stock ticker every day and 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 fret about. It's it's a, a policy structure that we follow. Uh, our board has a subcommittee, uh, the investment management committee. They meet quarterly with our professional consultants. Uh, uh, it is. Uh, an office of Mercer uh, out of St. Louis that specializes in not-for-profit foundations, university endowments, and things like that. So it's a it's a it's a very well structured, very disciplined, uh, diversified investment program for administering these sorts of funds, and takes the the, the worry off local folks having to to uh, set that structure up themselves. Uh, um, in terms of um, uh, the, the foundation staff, we're always available. Uh, if you have questions, call us. Uh, we're based in Columbia, Missouri, but, uh, and uh, we've just fired up a brand new website. Still ironing out a few kinks on that, but uh, uh, do visit the website and a lot of information up there, and we try to keep that information pretty fresh and current. Um, I guess let's, let's try... Uh, uh, our, our statewide director of development is Reverend Laura Murphy, and she and I both are, are kind of the, the, the go-to folks on the plan giving conversation. There's our 800 number and our, our website address, and we'll have that available uh, lots today. Next slide. Just a, a, a capture of our, our website there. Again, uh, if, you're a, if you're a donor and you're, you're looking for kind of information about what we'll be talking about today, that's under the People We Serve drop-down menu and just lots of information about some of the subjects we'll be talking about, and we'll refer to that again a bit later. Uh, churches and organizations we serve, uh, under that uh, there's, uh, uh, we offer free brochures, uh, ministry grant uh, uh, 
ministry grants or something that uh, the foundation uh, offers. Primarily, our local churches participate in that, but we were just talking earlier as to whether nomads uh, would, would uh, qualify to submit a grant proposal, and uh, that's something I need to take back to our board and discuss. My, my, uh, my off-the-cuff answer is I think, I think it would, so uh, I'll, we'll, uh, more to come on that. Um, next slide. The Nomads website. Uh, I assume you're familiar with this. Uh, uh, essentially, on the website, there's a, a make a donation button, and that primarily uh, has to do with uh, the uh, Every Member uh, campaign. Uh, it's the endowment committee members that are going to be talking to you more and more about the endowment and making sure that that is lifted up, and uh, I'm sure it will get on the, on the website as well at some point. Next slide. Okay, uh, kind of the two pieces that the endowment offers is that kind of long view, long term support for this organization. Annual fundraising uh, is, is essential, but with the start of each new year, it's back to zero and you got to start, start working that again. Uh, over time, the endowment will start to help share that load and even grow the possibilities in that realm. And so, uh, uh, the, the, the goal of the endowment is to, is to grow the corpus through new gifts and investments uh, to uh, ensure that the, the growth uh, meets or exceeds inflation and then provides an annual income stream from the fund that is also growing as the fund grows. Um, this is also uh, where we're kind of in the, in the realm of, of legacy giving. And this can be a real neat way to, to leave that kind of legacy gift through an estate plan. Next slide. Okay. Uh, ever so briefly, we'll kind of we'll kind of go through some current plan gifts. Come on in. <laughs> um, uh, that that are particularly attractive under the current tax rule. A couple of years ago, there was a major uh, revamping of the tax rules, which uh, I guess that's the spice of life. Uh, uh, the Congress can always meet and and give us a whole bunch of new rules that have to be uh, understood and, and, and adapted to. But um, uh, the, the, the key thing that the new rules require is that you kind of think about your deductions and whether you're going to take the standard deduction or itemize your deductions. And what, the, what the, the last change in the rules did is it really massively increased the standard deduction so that fewer and fewer people have enough deductions to itemize so that that makes better sense for you. So when you, when you give a charitable gift to a charitable organization like Nomads, that is a deductible gift. It's one of the things you can deduct on your tax return. Uh, uh, mortgage interest is another thing. Um, uh, uh, you know, there there are a few things that you can stack together to to see if that number is bigger than your standard deduction. If it is, then it's worth your while to itemize. Um, one of the most common gifts of uh, that, that we deal with are gifts of appreciated stock. Uh, more and more people own stocks and mutual funds, and those shares are very easy, typically, to give in that mostly they're held in electronic form. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's called a DTC transfer from your brokerage account to the foundation's brokerage account. We immediately liquidate the stock, shoot a gift receipt letter to the giver, and a full accounting and a check to the organization that the gift is, is for. So it's, it, it, it really streamlines the process. Uh, we, it's, a, it's completely a service we provide at cost, and uh, increasingly that cost is, is minimal. Uh, uh, publicly traded stock, typically uh, the, the cost on that is, is literally pennies, uh, like eight or nine cents. Uh, mutual fund shares can run into 20 or $30, but it's still pretty, pretty darn inexpensive to, 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 to make that happen. Um, Appreciated stock is, uh, is stock that has gone up in value since you've owned it, and you've owned it for more than a year, so that it's long-term 
uh, capital gain stock. And that sort of stock, if you sold it and gave the cash to nomads, you would have to pay capital gain on, on the appreciation. So it's a, it's a real cost-effective way to do your charitable giving in that you don't have to pay that capital gain, and when the charity liquidates, there's no capital gain uh, due because charities don't pay those taxes. So it's, it's, it's really kind of a win-win uh, 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 way to, to make a gift. If you're trying to manage those, those deductions, one thing that, that people can consider doing is bunching your charitable giving every other year so that you, like towards the end of 2021, you do your 2021 giving and your 2022 giving so that if that number pushes you over the, 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 the limit so that you can itemize deductions that year, then the next year you take the standard deduction. So you can kind of bunch every other year. That's one way to kind of think about trying to manage deductions. But probably a more useful tool is something called a donor-advised fund. And this is something that our foundation administers, uh, as do a lot of other uh, charitable foundations, community foundations all across the country. It effectively allows you as an individual to set up a charitable fund and let's say you've got a big chunk of Walmart stock, but you don't want to give it all at once to one charity, and you don't want to give it all maybe in, within the same year. Uh, but uh, what, what the donor advised fund allows you to do is set up a fund that you can throw the whole chunk of stock into just as a, as a charitable gift. That the, the, Typically, and the, the way our, our foundation would administer that, that stock is liquidated and reinvested the way we invest our, our long-term uh, funds, and that is a completed gift, and that pushes you over your deduction uh, uh, limit, and so you can itemize that deduction that year. Then, in, in coming years, you can spend out of that fund, basically, and do all your charitable giving out of that fund, uh, uh, and just take the standard deduction. Does that make sense? So it's 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 a it's it's a, a donor advised fund is a, is essentially sort of a specialized little kind of endowment that that allows you as an individual to remain involved advising when and how much is distributed from from the fund to charities that you choose. So it's a it's a and it has some other uh, uh, neat features in that it can kind of become uh, you can kind of think of a fund like that uh, as a family. And uh, let's say the family decides, uh, you know, how much we're going to give away this year from our fund. Uh, you could even assign kids and grandkids to, to uh, do some research. Say, so you, you know, 500 of what's coming out of this fund is, is up to you guys to, to spend wisely. And let them kind of enter that world of understanding why we give and what we give to and why. Okay, if you're, if you're not going to take a deduction, if you know you're going to take the standard deduction and you're not going to come close to being able to itemize, there are some, uh, a couple of other options. The, the biggie for, for most folks is the ability to give charitably out of an IRA, a standard traditional individual retirement account. Uh, again, lots of folks have these. And when you hit a certain magical age, the government requires you to take money out of that. It's called your required minimum distribution, your RMD. And each and every year, you're required to take that out. And when you take that out of a traditional IRA, it's income to you, taxable income to you. Now, you can turn around and give it to charity, but you've got to keep that, that record straight, and it's not, a, it's not a complete wash, typically, in terms of the tax implications. You can actually, uh, 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 once you reach the, the age, and the age to be able to do this is 70 and a half. Now, they have raised the, ra the age that you have to take an RMD to 72. But you can consider this kind of charitable gift starting at age 70 and a half. And you can have your IRA administrator give funds, distribute funds from your IRA directly to Nomad. Um, and the neat thing about that is 
once you are in that required minimum distribution uh, age bracket, that amount that you are giving to charity counts towards your RMD, but it does not count as taxable income to you. So it's it, if if you're if you're in the right position to to use that gift option, it's a great option. Now it's it's not a a, a, a deductible charitable gift either. It's it's a it's it's not income to you. You just shoot it straight over to charity, but it does count towards that required minimum distribution. So let's say you have an IRA and you have to take out five thousand dollars this year. You could say to your administrator, you know, I want you to shoot twenty five hundred of that to the nomad, and then you could go ahead and take the other twenty five hundred uh, as a as your your distribution. Now that's that's a that's a terrific solution if you're not needing that income. Uh, if if you know, if you just as soon keep your income down, it's a great way to, to, to work in your charitable giving in, in the course of doing that. Yeah. You can within the same within the same year, yes. And uh, the the only cap per individual is a hundred thousand. You can't exceed that. And uh, uh, but but yes, if if you want your administrator to shoot twenty five to nomads, twenty five to your church, twenty five to the YMCA, uh, you can do that. Right, it's got to be a public charity. And um, uh, and it, it, there was a time when the, the this this rule or this this uh, option kind of rolled out in fits and starts, and it would it would apply one year, and then they'd it'd expire and they'd have to re-up it legislatively. And so the, the a lot of the IRA administrators didn't have a lot of forms at the ready. Most of them do now, so you can contact your administrator and request the form for this kind of a gift. Correct. Correct. All right. The other no deduction uh, option, do we have any farmers in the room? One farmer. Okay. Well, uh, if you're still producing grain, uh, uh, there is a way to give a gift uh, of grain to a charitable organization. It's not a charitable deduction that is the cost, that is the savings. Uh, you get to deduct the cost of production. You deliver it to the elevator sign it over to the name of the charity, and then uh, uh, your, your tax savings come in another way. But uh, something to keep in mind if you have friends that are, that are farmers. Next slide. Okay, year in and year out, the most popular planned gift is a gift through an estate plan. And uh, uh, there are uh, a, a thousand ways to make a, just a wonderful gift through estate plans. There are lots of aspects, facets to estate plans, and we won't get deeply into the weeds. I've got some materials up here that, that uh, touch on some of these subjects. But uh, basic planning is certainly something everybody needs to do, and you need to see an attorney, ideally, to, to get that done. Certainly there are some uh, services that uh, are... Uh, online and, and uh, can, can do the basics to some degree, but it's generally a good idea to work with an attorney in the state where you reside and make sure your documents are, are in good shape. The basics for everybody are a will, a durable power of attorney, and a health care directive. And um, uh, when I do this uh, program in Missouri, the Missouri Bar puts out uh, 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 materials, uh, just standardized form materials that, that we often pass out. And so I, I would encourage you, whatever state you are uh, living in, to, to, to use those resources as well. Um, uh, a will may be your primary estate planning document, or it may be paired with a trust. And we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in just a minute. Uh, I, and and uh, 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 the trust may be your primary document, or the will may be your primary document depending on how you structure it. Uh, the durable power of attorney just allows somebody else to conduct business for you when you are incapacitated. Uh, it is uh, something that uh, goes away uh, uh, upon death, 
and that's when uh, other representatives of your interest kick into gear, your, your personal representative or your trustee. Um, and then the healthcare uh, directive, uh, that's a specialized uh, form of durable power and just lets everybody know how you want your medical care to, uh, to unfold under certain circumstances. And of course, HIPAA authorization is a part of that, letting, making sure that the folks you want to have access to your records uh, can under the new privacy laws. Um, next slide. Uh, three most popular estate plans. Sadly, number one is the no plan plan, and uh, every state has statutes on the books to take care of folks who do no planning. And it's generally not what you would choose, but it just it's, it's an orderly uh, uh, taking care of business. Uh, uh, more preferable than that, by far, is uh, the other two. And one is a standard will combined with, typically, what we call non-probate transfers of assets. It's a way of titling various assets so that uh, upon death, those assets, uh, the ownership of those assets goes to a person or charity that you name. Uh, and uh, the, the neat thing about most of those is you can change your mind. Uh, it is, you set those up uh, uh, to only take effect upon your death. Uh, with real estate, that takes the form of a beneficiary deed where you're actually just filing a deed. And on the face of the deed, it, it says, on my death, ownership goes too. Uh, same thing with car titles, boat titles, uh, bank accounts, brokerage accounts. All of that can generally be handled that way. Uh, there is still a need for the basic will in the event there are other assets that, that are a part of your estate. The other uh, uh, option is the will plus a, what is called a living revocable trust. And uh, some attorneys primarily do living revocable revocable trusts, and uh, they do have some advantages in, in certain situations, but it's it's probably one of the most important conversations to have with your attorney is, is whether you need a trust or not. Uh, some of the handy aspects of having a trust, if you own property, real estate, in more than one state, you can, you can title all of your property in the name of the trust, and therefore only uh, el eliminate your exposure to the probate process in all those different states. Uh, in other words, if you're if you're handling things with a with just a standard will, there is a probate process that will have to be gone through in each state where you own property. So the trust so is a is a useful uh, solving of that problem. Uh, trusts are privately administered. Uh, as soon your, your trustee can immediately step up and start taking care of business as opposed to the probate process through the court, which does take some, some time and energy. Uh, the probate process can be certainly a very uh, useful one. And, I, and uh, I, uh, again, there, there, are, there are really considerations for each of those options uh, uh, as to which one you might want to, to choose. Uh, next slide. Various ways to, uh, to leave a bequest. A bequest is the, is, the, is the term for any gift that you leave through your estate plan. And whether it's a will or a trust, some options to consider are a specific dollar amount, a specific uh, uh, item, like a specific piece of property or a, a specific chunk of stock. Uh, the, the tricky aspect of those two options is they're fixed. And let's say I intend to give uh, my house uh, to the nomads organization. Well, that's, that's fine, but let's say I sell my house in two years and I don't change my, my will. Well, that gift is extinguished. That gift is not going to happen. Uh, uh, and uh, therefore, a lot of folks opt for the, the, the idea of leaving a percentage of one's estate. Uh, in other words, no matter how much or how little is left over, everybody keeps the same proportions uh, in terms of, of who gets what in, in your planning. So if you, if you wanted to tithe your estate to the nomads, 10%, uh, that, would, that would be 10% of whatever uh, uh, is, is a part of the estate. Um, uh, in terms of... Uh, uh, Testament, 
testamentary gifts, gifts made through an estate and, and uh, uh, through an estate plan, can be made to uh, a fund at the foundation. Uh, certainly you can make a, a testamentary gift to the Nomads Endowment Fund directly. Uh, I, oftentimes folks will create funds at the foundation and they'll have ideas about multiple beneficiaries. In other words, uh, they'll kind of simplify the terms of their will and say, I want this amount to go to the foundation. And then what the foundation drafts with the donor is, is something we call a memorandum of understanding. And it's, some, it's, a, it's a document that can be uh, uh, utilized and, and uh, revisited over time without having to change the, and, and reissue uh, the will or the trust document. Uh, but let's say I want to leave 25% to my fund at the foundation uh, as described in the memo of understanding dated such and such. And in that memo, the foundation is often instructed to say, uh, give 10% to my local church, 10% to the nomads, 10% elsewhere. So it, it, uh, it, it's another way, it's another, another layer of planning that, that can come into play. Next slide. Real briefly, I'll, I'll touch on a type of gift that you may not be aware of. There are ways to give charitable gifts that also uh, uh, allow for the giver to receive an income stream. And the most common of these is called a charitable gift annuity. Uh, it's part annuity and part charitable gift. And so uh, when you set it up, uh, based on the age or ages of, of the donor or the donor and one other person, typically a, a married couple, uh, the uh, payment is fixed, the annual payment is fixed uh, for life, and then the remainder value of that arrangement goes to the charity or charities that, that you have identified. Um, uh, I've got a brochure up here that, that gives you a sampling of the rates. We follow the same rates uh, set by the American Council on Gift Annuities, which is most charities uh, in, the, in the country follow those rates. And the rates, like I say, are tied to your age at the time you set up the gift annuity. Um, and so the rates are more attractive as, as you get older. And consequently, we have a number of uh, uh, givers who like to do multiple gift annuities. I'll do one at age 65, another one at 70, another one at 75. Uh, uh, kind of a neat thing. The other type of, of uh, arrangement like this that is a little more complicated uh, is an actual charitable trust called a, a charitable remainder trust. And that too can be set up to, to provide income. There's a lot more flexibility though and complexity to a trust like that. Uh, it can be useful, but but uh, uh, it's generally more useful for much larger gifts of uh, appreciated uh, property. Next slide. A parting thought before we uh, uh, kind of open the, the floor a bit more for, for uh, discussion. Uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And uh, uh, I, think, I think nomads are... are, are uh, the living embodiment of that, of that sentiment. Any, any questions, comments? Yeah. Correct. We are. We account. There. Everything's pooled for investment, but individually accounted for. Correct. It's 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 tracked separately. The 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 in, the pools are valued monthly, and then allocated across all the accounts in each pool. Well, it's a broadly diversified pool of investments. So stocks, 
bonds, mutual funds. Uh, we, we primarily, we actually don't hold individual stocks and bonds. We primarily invest in mutual funds of those assets. And uh, uh, they're diversified across markets. They're diversified uh, uh, across asset types. Uh, uh, therefore, there's no guaranteed return. It is, it, is not a, it is not like a CD in that regard. Uh, it is a, a variable return depending on what the assets, how the assets perform. Our historical returns, and I'll, uh, I've got a few copies of this. Uh, history is, uh, is, is primarily what we can go by, and um, uh, our, our kind of flagship uh, fund, uh, the, um, uh, the historic annualized returns on the fund, um, bring up my glasses here, uh, and, and as, you're, as you're aware, the, the markets have been extremely strong of late, so the, the, the shorter term returns are very unusual. The, the last 12 months, its net annualized return has been 23.9%. Uh, to put that in perspective, and a, and a much better example of the annual performance of that fund is the 10-year annualized average is about 8.8%. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that could happen. <laughs> uh, about 12 years, something like that. Yeah. Well, what you're, in terms of the endowment, the goal of the endowment is first and foremost to preserve the, the principle. The second goal is to grow that principle to meet or exceed inflation and, and any other costs. And then the fourth one is to provide an income stream to fund the mission. So you, you kind of stack those, those things together. One of those pieces is estimating uh, annualized inflation. Fortunately, inflation has been pretty low in the, in the last several years. Two, two, per, two percent or less. Yeah, this year, this year we're kind of uh, you know, uh, jerking back to hopefully some sort of normalcy. But, uh, uh, but essentially, what a what what a charity typically tries to do in order to accomplish those three goals is to invest for what we hope is a reasonable return for the risk we're willing to take. So that's that's the big conversation within the investment committee: is risk versus return. And how our policy diversification uh, can can handle that, and and then to say, uh, uh, based on on our our returns, what is a prudent spending policy for us to adopt to draw on these funds? Now, typically, when a when a, an endowment is just started, the they're kind of you're kind of in a growth mode. You're really wanting the fund to grow and really maybe not take anything immediately off of it unless you absolutely have to. If you absolutely have to, you're not going to take more than the, the value of what's been put in it. But if you take it down to what's been put in it every year, you're, you're, you're not accomplishing that goal of, meeting, of growing it to meet or exceed inflation. Uh, uh, so, you, so typically what happens over time, as especially as you get some accumulated appreciation in the fund, uh, and certainly new gifts coming in, but, but you're really concentrating on the accumulation of appreciation, you then adopt a percentage spending policy. Our, the endowments that we have the full responsibility for administering, we currently 
take a three-year trailing average of the fund value and apply a 4% spending rate. So if you average the fund value over the last three years and it's $100,000, you would pull $4,000 out of that fund to spend in the coming year. Well, the uh, what, those those are those are excellent questions. Those those are excellent questions. And and if your interest is immediate spending of your gift, then by all means you should not give to the endowment. The endowment is a different mindset. It's basically you saying, I know that, that my money is not going to be, first of all, my, my gift to the endowment is not going to be used. The, it's the earnings from my gift that will be used. And over time, you're growing that endowment to provide this growing additional income stream so that the stool that is nomads has another leg. It's not just the annual giving. It's not just the auction proceeds. It's also endowment income. Now, your concern about the future of the organization, that's certainly something that the organization needs to think about. And, and, and it's ultimately the organization's decision. I mean, this is their asset. And it's ultimately the organization's decision as to how they uh, wrap up business and, and distribute all of their assets. But, but you're right. An, an endowment is something that under a, a scenario like that would, would have to be dealt with and distributed. Now, it would certainly go to a charitable cause uh, and, and probably one that would be in, in keeping with what Nomads does. But um, not necessarily. I mean, I mean when, a, when a charity really hits the end of the line and closes up business, it's like any other business closing up shop. You've got you've to deal with stuff. And, and yeah, the, the, the board, as they are wrapping up business, would distribute that as they felt was appropriate. Right. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's part of the, the, the setup, is, is thinking through uh, in the event of wrapping up. Yep. Well, essentially, uh, a beneficiary des designation on an IRA is a is a is a very easy uh, form to fill out. Uh, if you you can you can leave uh, a portion or the entire IRA to an organization like Nomads. Uh, uh, there are some uh, uh, administratively when you include a charity as one of a of uh, the co-beneficiaries. Let's say you've got two children, you want to leave equal shares to the two kids and nomads, uh, your administrator needs to get the charitable distribution on out the door promptly uh, when the time comes. But, uh, but yeah, including nomads as a, as a beneficiary on an IRA is, is, is a great way to, uh, to, to include nomads without uh, having to revisit any other aspect of your, of your setup. Well, right. There, there's a, a fund set up at the foundation, and uh, then I think there's a, a second endowment fund set up at the, uh, uh, well, it was formerly the United Methodist Church Foundation, uh, and I think it's had a name change. Yeah, 
And, uh, so why does the foundation that getting the type of risk that No, the, uh, our, uh, we have a recommended spending policy for mature endowments, uh, as I just described. Uh, but it's it's yeah. There's right. There are three pooled investments. The Nomads Endowment is in the the fund that we're we're. Most of the foundation's endowments are, and that's the, the aggressive fund. Uh, and that name scares some folks. It's it's meaningful only in relation to the other two funds, the balanced and the conservative. Uh, in the broader scheme of things, it's it's a very conservative fund. It's it has about twenty three percent allocation to, to fixed income. I believe so. Uh, I, right. And in and in terms of the spending policy, that's fully a nomad's determination. Right, the, the 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 larger administration of it, yeah. Well, if you called Carla or the chairman of the endowment committee, I assume they would refer you to our office. And this is something we do all the time, primarily for churches across the state of Missouri. But there's, there, you know, it's, it's, we're just a phone call away. We've got a standardized form. Uh, it's in the brochure. It's also on our website. Uh, it simply is a, is a form that allows you to fill it out and give it to your broker. Uh, to let them know to, to shoot the, the, the stock to our account, and it has the DTC uh, information. Now, you can also just give us a, uh, give us a call. Uh, you can uh, either fax that form to us or give us a call and let us know what to look for. Uh, uh, in that uh, if folks don't do that step, we often get stock that hits our account, and then we wait to hear from somebody. Uh, it's mystery stock until we, we hear otherwise. But any stock that hits our, our pass-through account, we immediately liquidate and uh, uh, hold the proceeds awaiting uh, instruction as to where it gets distributed. But it's... it's really? Yes, uh, we just we're with our along with our new website. We're in the process of freshening up all of our brochures, and we have just the the stock giving brochure. We have just eliminated the detailed explanation of how to handle paper certificates, and and we just we just condensed that to well, we just we we just condensed that portion to call us. Uh, it's it it it's. Uh, it is an extra process, but uh, Monette is ready, willing, and able to uh, uh, work through it. And it's, it requires a couple of forms, uh, generally working through the mails. Uh, but uh, I would encourage you to go ahead and, and do something with that. Uh, 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 and if you don't give it away, you really probably ought to at least have it transferred into a, 
Actually, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably. Well, we we do that service at cost, and I don't believe there's any. I don't believe we have additional cost for processing paper. Uh, uh, and most public, if it's still a publicly traded stock, uh, it's generally pennies to to have it. I mean. Well, again, our our staff does does the paper pushing for free, and then whatever Schwab would would charge us. And and again, I I can't say for sure off the top of my head if there is an added fee for the paper uh, these days. Probably. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very frameable. <laughs> Hostess and everything. Well, uh, uh, again, it's uh, kind of the the percentage idea. I think is the is the uh, is one to lean toward where you're what you're trying to do. And and again, this becomes a, a uh, uh, an easier conversation to have once you have some, appre some appreciation accumulated in the fund. Uh, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, I mean, there's there's a, a calculation like I described where, you know, a three-year averaging and a percentage of the fund value. Uh, I, you can also simplify that with sort of a flat dollar amount. Let's say you do that calculation and it comes to uh, $1,200. Well, you could just have a standing rule that you're going to spend $1,000 a year until further notice. And then you kind of, again, you're, you're, you're trying to kind of be conservative in your distribution so that you are allowing more compounding to occur. And uh, uh, over time, you get to a, a better and better place. Well, I was just suggesting that as a, as a, as a, and sometimes I think it's easier for folks to, to, to just do a fixed dollar as opposed, that, that approximates that calculation as opposed to working through that calculation. Uh, I think the calculation is helpful to, to kind of remind everybody what the moving target is that we're trying, you know, what we're trying to manage here. And the the other thing you're, that those that a spending policy like that does, like that three-year averaging, is you're trying to take the pressure off the ups and downs of year to year, so that you're, it's not feast or famine constantly with what you're pulling out. You know, you're you're trying to pull out a consistent and hopefully growing income stream that allows the corpus to grow as well. Uh, so it's you know I think it's 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 I, I know there are frustrations like I, I think. Like people set up scholarship funds and they want to see the scholarship immediately start to happen. Well, you know, you put a, you set up a, say a $25,000 scholarship fund and that first year you might have lost value. You know, it's fully invested and it might now be worth about $24,000. Well, there, there is no scholarship to, to, to give. Uh, now, one way around that, we will, you know, we kind of sometimes work with donors to say, Okay, you're going to give us twenty-five thousand, and you're authorizing us to spend. Uh, you know, we can spend up to. You know, the the, the floor is not twenty-five thousand. The floor is actually twenty-three thousand, and so we can award a thousand-dollar scholarship the first year. Well, that's fine, and that gives us a little breathing room, and maybe investment returns will pick up, and you know, we'll get back above that. But even under that scenario. We might go a couple of years given a $1,000 scholarship and, and, and then run into the $23,000 floor and have to suspend distribution. So your, 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 your goal is to get to where you never have to suspend distribution. You're, you're, you're averaging, you're accumulating, and over time you don't have to worry about that floor. Is any of that making sense?
Well, and and again, I, I this is this is this is really a both and proposition. If if this type of giving is not up your alley, that's that's fine. It's just that this the 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 idea here is giving everybody another option to support nomads that has a longer time horizon. Well, I mean, I often I often analogize to like a college or university. There's not a college or university in the country that's going to be alive in ten years if they don't have an endowment. They've endowment is what is floating the boat at lots of of, of places. Endowment over time is that kind of sustaining piece that ensures that the the, the nightmare scenario of it having to shut down doesn't happen but but you know you've you've got to take that long view five hundred dollars into the endowment is over time going to return to the organization and many times over in other words that five hundred will produce another five hundred and another five hundred over time but uh, but it's that it's it's that longer view Well, uh, functionally, I, I mean, you can think of them as, as they're, they're uh, from a spending standpoint, they're, they're simple. I don't believe so. Just to, to kind of, uh, this is the uh, foundation's annual review, uh, the most recent one, and kind of gives you the big picture on all the things we uh, we do. Please feel free to pick up a copy of that. We have brochures here of covering all of the topics we talked about today. This is that uh, Giving Securities brochure that actually has the, the form in it. Uh, so... Uh, uh, Think about that. There's a donor advised fund brochure and an IRA charitable rollover gift brochure here. Um, uh, a couple of others that, that uh, uh, might be useful. Uh, also, I'll uh, be here uh, uh, and I'm happy to, to chat individually and, and uh, answer any, any questions you might have. Um, I also need to put out, I've got more goodies. Uh, you all got the endowments, I, uh, and if you didn't, I've got more of those. And then I have uh, our famous pens and highlighters, uh, which uh, are a huge hit. So pick up a pen or a highlighter. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, in, in much of what we've talked about can be an annual fund gift or a gift to the endowment. It does not have to go to the endowment. That's 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 purely a, a side decision. Yeah.
Well, it's a, I mean, that's, that's, that's generally the concept. I mean, you, there, no one can predict the future, and you, you, you can only kind of look at the past and kind of project and what, what ifs and things. We're all trying to navigate, uh, like the, the investments are diversified in that diversification is the best hedge on the ups and downs of the market, in that each piece of the, of the, of the investment pie we're, we're trying to invest in assets that don't track each other in lockstep. That's getting harder in this in, in the world. Uh, more and more investment assets of all types rise and fall together, and that's disconcerting. But um, I, I, the 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 kind of mental picture that um, I think I think is kind of useful to think about in terms of investments is the the graph of of investments certainly in the US markets over time has been, if you're following a yo-yo that is being carried by a man who's walking upstairs. So that it's, you know, there's lots of ups and downs, but over long periods of time, it's, you know, he's walking up the stairs. Uh, and that's what we're trying to take advantage of over, over time. But there are no, no guarantees. No, your 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 IRA, and what makes the IRA such a, a great thing is it everything happens inside the IRA tax free. And then with this little extra provision, it allows you to shoot some of that to charity, and out you're outsmarting the tax man completely, uh, and with with the tax man's blessing, uh, I, I, you know you're you're saying, I don't want to incur this income and pay tax on it. I'm going to shoot it over to no man. And, uh, uh, and, you know, now, if, if that's, that's assuming that's income, you don't, you really don't need. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and that reminds me, the, the special provisions around COVID, they waived that RMD last year, and it's back this year. But there are a couple of provisions that are still in place due to COVID. One is if you are not an itemizer, you can still uh, itemize up to $300 in cash gifts to charity on top of your standard deduction. Uh, and that's $600 for a, for a couple filing jointly. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then the, the other provision is that the cap on cash gifts is 100% of your AGI, as opposed to the normal 60%. Uh, both of those are very different. Absolutely. So back to John and my No, no. I mean, donor advised funds are set up by individuals, and like I say, there are there are lots of places that will administer your donor advised fund. The largest charities in America now are all the major brokerage houses. They have all created charitable arms primarily to administer donor advised funds. 
our donor advised fund niche in the in the world of donor advised funds is for folks whose primary interests are Methodist related, but it doesn't have to be exclusively that. Uh, uh, if you want to give to the nomads and to uh, the food bank, you know that's that's not a problem. Four minutes. Ah, we have we have a timer. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, anything else? Did it? Yeah. You're, we're, we're talking about the IRA distribution. Well, basically. Uh, your, your administrator should have a form. And if they don't have a form, you can mock up a letter. Uh, we've got a sample letter on our website, but they should have a form. That, yeah, it just, say, it just says I want to make a, a, a qualified charitable distribution, a QCD. The acronyms, <laughs> ab the acronyms abound. Well, it's 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 helpful, but it's not required. I don't think the IRA uh, administrator requires that. But they, it's it's generally pretty easy to to uh, to double check and make sure that this is going to a public charity. But there is a national registry. But uh, uh, but basically, your administrator will shoot the check straight to Nomad. Right, right. It's it's not income to you, but it does count towards your RMD. And it can go directly to Carla at the office uh, uh, and does not have to involve the endowment at all. But it can. Okay, well, I appreciate your, your time and interest. And, um, and, and do pick up the goodies up here. Oh, a Nomad's Tumblr. Yes, so you can set this on your desk. And when I take a tumble, I can always come back up and. All right, well, thank you so much.